This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host, Chris Flaming, as always. Today, I have the honor of welcoming Scott Kimberly to the podcast. He's the founder of a law practice in the Middle Tennessee region focused on family law, defense, and personal injury with a reputation for putting clients' interests first. They work to identify client goals and fight for their rights and desired outcomes. Scott, thanks for being here with me today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, let's jump in. So you have kind of an interesting background, interesting history. Why don't you take me through how you got to where you are today? Well, I was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, about 10 minutes south of Canada. Uh, grew up in a little town called Bellingham, Washington. And we talk. That's why there's a Seattle Mariners jersey up there behind me. Got it. OK. I'm from the Northwest, uh, but moved here in high school in Middle Tennessee. Uh, the city's called Murfreesboro. There's a lot of R's in there. It's yes. tough. When I'm on the phone, I've got to basically use some type of words to explain how it's spelled. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're here in Middle Tennessee. It's actually the the geographic center of Tennessee, so it's pretty easy to figure out where we're at. And uh, when I moved here, uh, I ended up going away for college and law school, but when I decided to get into law, moved back here, was fortunate enough to find a job with somebody who was looking to kind of train a new lawyer, and after a couple years, jumped out and found my own place and been running it ever since. It's great. Awesome. So was there one particular thing that drew you to come back to the middle Tennessee region? Was that what, where you wanted to hang your shingle or where you wanted to make a life? What was that? Yeah, there is absolutely one more thing. I was going to be young and broke somewhere. And it was either going to be in downtown Seattle where I went to law school or middle Tennessee. And okay. I made a very calculated decision that if I was going to be young and broke somewhere, it might be a little bit easier to skate with the cost of living in middle Tennessee. And yeah. I was right. And man, I've been, This place, even though I moved here in high school, has grown on me. I'm at a point probably like you, you know, you've got friends. If you name any major city in this country, you probably know somebody who's moved there or lived there. And man, I'm just I'm fortunate because this is home. We I just love it here. And I'm I'm so thankful I made that decision. Um, And I'm not that any other homes aren't better. I'm free. Different people, different places might be better. But and my family loves it here in Middle Tennessee. We love it here. Well, what a combination to have something that you like to do where you like to do it. Absolutely. I'm I'm, I'm immensely blessed, man. I am. I have more than I deserve. Yeah, as do I. So I'm curious, then, if you could go back in time and talk to the younger you, is there something that you wish you knew then that you know now? Are we talking professionally or personally? Could be either one or both. 
Well, I mean, I'm a divorce lawyer. And so uh, I was raised in a very conservative household and I was given a lot of guidance on how you handle relationships at a young age, marriage at a young age. And I'll tell you, I would definitely have some talks with my young self about how you view personal relationships at a young age in your 20s. And you, you may be old enough. I don't know how old you are to kind of know you don't know who you are in your 20s. You just you haven't figured out who you are yet, especially as a professional. Yeah. And I definitely have some hard talks with myself about getting to know yourself before you make some major life choices. But other than that, man, not really. I've enjoyed my wife and I were talking last night about there's a line in a book and I'm, I apologize. I've got a bookshelf over here. I, I know don't let the glasses fool you. I'm a nerd. Um, and I read a lot, but there's a line in the book from an orchestra conductor who was talking to folks. Um, it's called the art of possibility. And he was telling them there's just one line that said, I feel so bad for you because if you've never had your heart broken, you can never truly understand music. Mm-hmm. And the point it, we were talking about last night is, until you've really been kicked down a couple of times, you just don't really appreciate the positives. And so I've taken some lumps in my life, but I'm not sure I'd go back and kind of warn myself of a bunch of them because man, the result of them has led to a very, I guess I'd call it a fulfilling life, even though there's been some difficult times, but um, definitely some advice on the personal side for sure. Well, that's where most of the growth happens is going through the uh, trials and tribulations. Right. Yeah. Coming out on the other end. Yeah. Hopefully it gets better. This too shall pass. So yeah. then you mentioned some stuff about your area of focus for your practice. So how did you come to decide on that? It's interesting. I think you came from a conservative background. And so then you ended up focusing on uh, divorce specifically. I know there's some other areas that you uh, practice in as well. That seems to be your main one. So how did you come to decide on that? So that is actually a, a, a pretty easy uh, thing to pin back to my law school career. And uh, for any of your listeners who don't know how law school works, and, and I say this because I've had the same conversation with my wife, who is not a lawyer, and she was very interested to learn how the law school track goes, is the first year of law school, you take all your regular classes, mm-hmm. got to take the same ones, but years right. two and three, you pick what you want. Mm-hmm. I picked the trial advocacy path. I picked anything to get me into a courtroom. I really wanted to be in a courtroom. And so when I got out into practice in a small town, most of the shops on our public square will do kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah. But the two highest volume practice areas that get you into court on a regular basis are criminal defense and family law. Mm-hmm. And so where I fell in at first, that's what he did. And I found that my interest in getting into court was met tenfold by doing those two practice areas. And I'm, when I'm done meeting with you, I'm throwing a coat and tie on and headed straight to court. I was in court yesterday and I'll be in court tomorrow. I, I love being in court. So that's how I ended up there. Okay. All right. That's, that's a interesting path. I like that. So along those same lines, maybe describe for me what you to consider to be an ideal client, someone that you enjoy working with and helping. So, I would say the ideal client is somebody who will take your advice. That, mm-hmm. That's the best way I can handle it. Ironically, I just let a client go yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, I say, let a client go. Sometimes there are times where it's not a good fit yeah. for us and, and you got to let them go. And mm-hmm. at my firm, and I, I'm knocking on wood here because I've never to date, I've not had any ethical complaint in 10 years of law practice. 
And I think the reason that is, is because every time I've made a decision that it's my decision to let a client go, I write them a check for all of their money they paid to me. I give it all back Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think that's the biggest complaint from a lot of people is they took all my money. They didn't do anything. So if I ever hit the eject button, I make them whole on the way out the door because I've chosen that, Hey, it's, it's best for us not to work together. Mm -hmm. But the biggest way for you to get crossed up at my office is if you don't listen to our advice, there's nothing we can do to help you. If you don't listen to our advice, mm-hmm. I don't need you to jump when I say jump and do everything I demand. But when I have clients who challenge my advice, say, Hey, I talked to other lawyers and they told me, or I got a mm-hmm. uncle in Cincinnati who practices bankruptcy, who said that doesn't sound right. I read this online. Oh my God. <laughs> I, have a, I actually had a, I have a coffee mug. It's not here that says, because it's one of the lines that my staff laughs. They've heard me say it to people so many times. I said it in court a couple months ago, hey, to a witness, hey, I I don't want my law degree to get in the way of your Google search. So you're gonna have to help me. And I say that to my clients and Mm -hmm. sometimes they get offended, but the point is very solidly, you know, it hits home. Hey, I know you Googled that, but this is what we do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, and, and one of the most common short exchanges I have with clients to explain to them why I expect them to listen to me is I ask them, what do you do for work? And I'll have somebody say, Hey, I'm a one guy a couple weeks ago, I'm a forklift driver. I said, that's a fantastic example. I said, if I went down to your forklift operator, you know, your, your warehouse, you gave me a 20 minute talk and then just cut me loose in the warehouse. How do you think it would go? And the people always say, whether they're the front desk at a medical facility, whether they run a warehouse, they're a manager, they always say, it'd be a disaster. You wouldn't know what you're doing. And I said, that's exactly right, because I'm not smarter than you, and you're not smarter than me, but that's what you do, and and this is what I do. So you just have to understand, on this area, I'm going to expect you to lean on me here, because this is, I'm not trying to talk down to you like I'm smarter than you, but I will tell you for this thing. We're good at this. This is what we do. Right. Well, that's the difference between, I always think of knowledge and wisdom. So knowledge can be gained by reading books or going online and watching YouTube videos. Wisdom is the ability to apply it to a particular situation or to discern what the best thing is to do, given that information. That's a little bit tougher um, than just following a step-by-step. Okay. So you, you hinted on this. Maybe are there some misconceptions that people have about what you do or what you can do for them um, when you enter into a relationship with a client? Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to, I don't know if, I don't know if cussing is allowed on this show. I'll hold off just in case, but it's okay. I, one of the things I, I cuss a lot, it's probably one of my biggest char- character flaws, but I will tell you that one of the things that I have developed very quickly in my career is I didn't know early on how blunt you can be with your own clients. I was scared of upsetting them. I was scared they'd fire me. I was scared they'd be mad at me. And so I will never forget first year lawyer, Scott, I had a client and her father in my office wearing me out about something that I couldn't control. And I went to my boss's office and I was like, dude, I've I've lost control of the situation. I don't know what to do. And he walks in the door and he pointed his finger walking in the door and he said, listen here, mother, and filled it in and started talking to him like that. And I remember my jaw about hit the floor. If you've ever seen Eddie Murphy's Delirious, there's a joke yeah. in there where he talks yeah. about like someone saying a bad word. And he, yeah. I mean, I, I was floored. But one of the things that I caught on to is 
you can set expectations for your clients in those situations and, and they will respond to you. And so really for me, being able to, one of the things that I get asked the most, so I explain that to answer your question of what's something I can't do. I get more times than not people yelling at me mm. about why, what are you going to do because he did this or she did that or they did that. And I tell people, if you ever remember the Mad Libs from like the 80s, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. And I was telling them there's a fill in the blank in what I do. And I, my, my assistant, if he was listening, he'd laugh because he's heard this in a console like a hundred times. There's a fill in the blank and it's the same word. I can't stop crappy people from doing crappy things. I can't stop good people from doing good things. I can't stop crazy people from doing crazy things, right? So the law can place orders on people. But if we want to stop murder, we should make it illegal. It already is. Mm-hmm. The point is, sometimes bad actors are going to do bad things and we can have accountability in the legal system. But more times than not, this is the circle where I turn back and I feel like my boss saying, listen, here, my, I tell them, guys, what we are dealing with is the consequences of your decision to be in a relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. You can yell at me all day long. You can get mad at me about what I can or can't do. But I'll, I'll never forget, I was in court, outside of a courtroom with me, my client, and her sister. And she was yelling at me about this piece of crap baby daddy she's got. And I said, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. One of us had sex with this guy. Was it you? And I pointed at her sister, and her sister was like, no. And I said, well, it wasn't me. I said, oh, it was you to my client. And I'm not trying to be a jerk to her, but I'm trying to point out we are not the people who created this situation. Mm-hmm. We're the people trying to help you get out of it. And I can't, I, I'm not a miracle worker. I can't just make crappy people stop doing crappy things, but I can get down in the trenches and walk out with you. And that's the paradigm shift. And I think a lot of family law clients really need to see. And if they don't respond to that, that's when I let them go. Cause we're not a good fit. If they're like, well, you, you know what? You need to do something or you better do than, than, Hey, we're not, you have expectations that I will never meet. Yeah. I can't do it. Right. But that's, I'm sorry. That's a long answer, but that would be probably one of the most common things I get asked to do. Hey, fix, fix this person, make them stop being a bad person. And mm. I, I just, I can't do it guys. I, it's just, I, it's not my job. Yeah. That's interesting because it's obviously the type of law that you practice in. It's a highly emotional, there's a lot of emotion. This is a big life transition. So what, what do you think are probably the biggest fears or concerns that you commonly encounter? Someone comes in and says, Hey, I'm going through this situation. Here's the details. This is the biggest thing I'm afraid of, or this is the worst thing that could happen to me in this. Are those, are those things pretty common amongst the people that you work with? Yes, but I would say it's this phrase. And, and, and I, you know, my first boss, unfortunately, has passed away now. Uh, he taught me a lot. And it's funny because he was a really erratic guy. If you ask about him locally here, he was just kind of a bombastic lawyer, big personality, heart of gold, served the community, never accused of being too polite. But the funny thing about him is I can still hear, I, I catch myself quoting him weekly, at least maybe daily on phrases I heard him say. And one of the phrases that I've taken that I I probably didn't even realize was from him is fear of the unknown. That's what it always boils down to Mm -hmm. is we're scared of the unknown. 
they're scared of what they don't know is coming. And so that is the most common thing family law clients are scared of. And usually what that unknown carries into is uncertainty about my, my money and my children. Those are, I tell people quite often, we deal with people, the two things people love the most in this world, their money and their children. And when you, when you take somebody and just completely remove the floor in their life and they're just, they're in limbo, they're floating and they've never been through it and they're terrified and they don't know, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? Am I going to see my children? Right. That is the most striking fear in my clients. And I'll tell you, as as somebody who now that I've done it for 10 years, it's one of the most rewarding things in my career when I'm able to get somebody into my office and we have a consultation and I explain to them, guys, I've seen situations like this and, and I have walked men like you out of these situations and it is going to suck for a little bit, but I'm telling you, there is a road ahead of you that is a good, long, healthy life with your stable family connections and your finances in place. But that's what they're always scared of is what you don't know. And it's scary with those yeah. two things. Yeah, what you don't know or what you or what they don't perceive that they can control. Yeah. Because it's such a big life transition and it's hard for them to see that there is life after this. You just have to get to the other side. So are there things that you either employ or tactics that you use or resources for the clients to help them maybe de-stress the process? Um, you know, because you talk about the fear of the unknown and what could happen. So maybe it's a it's a way that you talk to them or explain to them how the process works or what to look forward to to help them keep the, your, their eye on the prize. Not that, you know, get, nobody gets married to get divorced, but something obviously does happen. And so they do have to look, try to get past that look on the other side. I think the best thing I am, uh, and I'll just own it for your audience here. I'm the divorce lawyer who got divorced, not my finest hour of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, without, I won't, my details don't matter at all. I didn't want it. I fought, fought to try to avoid it. I yeah. fought like hell because I was a divorce lawyer at the time and I knew the impact that would have on my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are years past that now and I'm remarried and I'm very happy in my life and I have no issues with that. But I share that to say I've been through it. Mm-hmm. And so that's the type of life experience you don't want. But man, I'll tell you, um, I will never. Uh, and if you need to edit this, I'm sorry. It's just got an F word in it, but it's because it's a quote from my friend. I'll just say, I'll say F. Uh, but I, when I went through all my stuff, I remember a friend of mine, I was just messaging him this morning and he told me, man, don't take this the wrong way. But part of me is kind of glad this happened because now you're a little bit effed up like the rest of us. Mm. It sounds odd, but it goes back to what we talked about. Until you've really been cut down, you don't appreciate so much more. Mm-hmm. And what I went through has helped me so many times tell people in my office, I, I get it, man. I get it. And, but when I have to dispense that really hard legal advice, like, Hey man, I, I, I hear you that you believe your children might be in danger, but there's nothing a court can do to intervene. Mm-hmm. I can share with them times where I believe that my children may have been in danger. And I've had to swallow this, not lawyer, Scott, just me. Mm-hmm. And so that's really helped me communicate those things with them and kind of help them understand of, Hey, I, I've been through this and, and getting them to understand those issues. So that's, it's the life experience you don't want, but it's definitely allowed me you, when you ask me, what are some common things you advise clients to do? 
I advise them to do the things that, that helped me. I can tell them, guys, you need to go see a counselor. I think PSA to everybody listening to this, it is okay to not be okay. I tell yeah. my staff members that. I tell everybody that. So go see somebody. I see a counselor regularly. I told them I had a divorce support group at my church. I had family to lean on. And, and we talk through what their support network look like looks like. Mm-hmm. And if they're struggling, helping getting them somewhere that's going to going to help that ground get a little bit more solid while we get through this. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, I like that. Being able to, I guess, um, understand where they are and then giving them the permission to seek out help beyond just trying to internalize it and thinking that they'll get through it by concentrating or. Yeah. You keep know, telling or, yourself, just keep telling right. yourself, I got it. Keep, keep telling right. yourself, I got it. See how, I see got, how everything, got everything, got yeah. everything under control. Okay. Right. How's that working out for you? Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's, let's switch gears. I want to talk a little bit about future and business wise. What, what do you kind of see Scott as your biggest opportunity for your practice going forward? Uh, you know, um, this is a, and, and the good news is I doubt any other lawyers in Murfreesboro will probably run into this podcast. So I don't mind sharing a little bit about this, but my firm is structured really, really differently than other firms in town. Um, in our town, it's very common for two, three, four lawyers to work together at the same building and share mm-hmm. costs, but kind of run their own law practices. Yeah. Yeah. So just do their own mm-hmm. thing. At my office, we had three lawyers. One just left. We now have two. Uh, We have another in training right now about to come on. And we all work all of our cases together. We have one set of cases. We all jump on them. We plug and play. We can move around. We are a team. We try cases together. And frankly, in my opinion, we have a tremendous track record in court because of the ability to have multiple lawyers work a case. Mm-hmm. And I don't charge my clients when multiple lawyers are there. I just, I charge for my rate, but yeah. I believe that the way we are structured delivers really high quality legal services. Mm-hmm. Frustration as a business owner there is, I make markedly less money doing it this way than I would the other way. Because with how often my phone rings, if I just put five lawyers underneath me and just fed them business and I didn't, I didn't care about the quality of the work they were doing. And I just said, Hey, y'all just take all these cases and then send me a cut as your kind of rent for being here. They'd love it. Cause they're being happily fed. I would take my cream off the top and go to the beach. And that's what a lot of lawyers here in town do. They put their name on a building. They get a ton of referrals. They have a bunch of young lawyers work the cases. And I have a hobby of routinely just, I don't want to phrase this offensively, but effectively advocating against those lawyers in court because they don't have a team. They don't have resources. They don't spend a lot of time preparing like we do. Mm. So being built that way, my firm's probably not a firm that's ever going to grow to the moon. We're not going to have, you know, 50 lawyers, but man, the one thing I have seen and, and, and Lauren, who's a lawyer at the office with me right now, is just probably the brightest lawyer I've ever had working under me in terms of the she gets it that the ultimate goal is we are delivering legal services for people that are better than anyone else in town. Mm -hmm. And the result of that is we have the ability to actually make a, an impact and a change in these people's lives. And when you talk about possibly, you know, when you look at cases, you got cases over here that by the facts you should lose, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose those cases. You got cases over here that you should win and you're going to win them. But what do you do in the middle yeah. I feel like there's a lot in the middle. Yeah. We win a lot in the middle. Yeah. And so 
we are, I believe I'm training lawyers here who are going to practice in a way that will make a difference in people's lives when there's an opportunity to do that. And honestly, man, I, I can't find any more rewarding career. And so I, I probably won't make the most money. I probably won't have the biggest firm, but once you get a result like that for somebody and you know that it was the research, the preparation and that, and you saw the other lawyer who was not ready and you know, your work did it. It's intoxicating being yeah. able to deliver that for people. You want to do it again. And so that's, yeah. that's what I'm building here. I hope. Mm-hmm. And is yeah. That- it's a, it's a, it's a rush, but it's a rush in a good way. Yeah. Um, because you're, well, you're, you're making a reasonable living and you're also, doing something that you love and you're making an impact in people's lives, which, I mean, I've often said to my business partner, I mean, what we do is important and people obviously need to make really good decisions about their money, but how are, what are we doing to affect their lives in a positive way? If we can do that from the advice we give or what we tell them not to do or making sure that they listen to us and doing what's in their best interest. And that's the impact that that's the rush that you're after. And that's yeah. why you want to keep doing that. Okay. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, Scott, we talked about your biggest opportunity. What do you think your biggest challenge is right now in your practice going forward? Something you feel like you need to overcome or you would like to overcome? I would say probably like any business owner, um, if you've read like the E-Myth books like that, you know, ideally when you build a system, you want to be able to remove yourself. Right. Right. And you really want to be able to remove yourself and have the system keep running as you know, I can leave for two weeks, come back. It's just going. The hard part about this office is it's the law office of Scott Kimberly. And I know that sounds dumb, but like my face is on the, Oh, sorry. I can mute my phone. Give me a second. Do not disturb. There we go. I'll start that answer over just in case you need to edit. Yeah. So the biggest, I guess, challenge I'm facing at the firm is when people come here to hire the firm, they want to hire me and we're in court a lot. Right. And, and right now, since I'm the most experienced lawyer here, I handle a lot of the high level court appearances. I guess the biggest challenge, if you talk to any business owner, when they're building a business, they'd want to build a business that they can eventually remove themselves from. Not permanently, yeah. but selectively, right? Having control. And there's the whole discussion over Tim Ferriss and the four hour work week about the new rich versus the old rich. I don't know your perspective on it, but for me, I never, I've, lo- I've lost interest in toys. I don't care what car you drive. I don't care what house you have. What impresses me is when I see people who have complete control over their time. It's, I mean, that's the currency that is the most impressive thing to me. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest challenge I'm facing is how do I build an office where I can remove myself and control my time, but I am the most experienced lawyer here. And there are a lot of clients who hire that, Hey, when my divorce hearing is going to be there, I want Scott in that courtroom, right? That that's the tension that I'm building through. Yeah. And so that, figuring that out and bringing other lawyers up and it's, it's a blend of educating your clients early that all the lawyers work these cases yeah. and also a blend of empowering the lawyers underneath you to step up and do that work. And that that's the challenge I'm, I'm working through for my growth. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, common critical mass type thing that you get to, there's only so many hours in the day. So much yep. time that you can you can spend on something and you can't reproduce time. I like that. All right. So, you, oh, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, but do you want to say no to that check they're about to hand you? No. I like to take more business. Like, we'll figure it out. Right. So it's, 
Yeah. Well, and it also depends on uh, the goals you have for your lifestyle and your family. And, and, and at the same time, you want to help the person as well. I think you're thinking about the right things and it's no easy path. And especially right now, it's tough to hire people. I think more so than it's ever been um, to find good help and to hire people. So that's a big challenge right now across all the industries. So Scott, if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? So I am not a creative person. I stole the easiest domain name you can find. My domain name is MurfreesboroLawyer.com. It's like, okay. hey, who's that lawyer? I'm Murfreesboro. Oh, yeah, right. it's MurfreesboroLawyer.com. Right. It was for sale when I started my practice. I bought it. I'm yeah. glad I did. Yeah. And, it, and I'll tell you, just as an aside for anyone who might know this area, that's one of the things I'm really proud of about my firm as well is we, man, I am rooted here in Murfreesboro. We are the next, we are adjacent to Nashville. Hmm. And so Davidson County is the next county over. We are Rutherford County. Okay. And I don't know, it's not very many lawyers here who don't go up to Davidson County because there's a lot of money and work up there. We, and we are local. We work here. So easiest way to track me is just murfreesborolawyer.com. Okay. All right. Everybody go there to check Scott out there. I've been on the website. There's some good information on there on the stuff yeah. that they do and they can learn a little bit about him. Scott, listen, I want to thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been a great, yeah, it's been a great conversation. I'm very happy to spend the time with you. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast for listening and watching. Brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we're hoping to raise the confidence of everyday people from a financial standpoint, one show at a time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Be well. Take care. Thanks again, Scott. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.